0: Of this perfectly wonderful world. Yeah, he assumed that when I would give a shot, that I didn't want to have the diabetes universe. anymore, that I'm willing it, I'm, I'm literally thinking about it so hard, that I'm willing that insulin to seep back out of my skin, out of my body. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing as you. I'm thinking he's a nutter.
1: Join Deborah E., multi-award winning singer, podcaster, and speaker, who proves that being diagnosed with a life-changing illness as a child, along with countless hospitalizations in a family who told everyone she'd be dead before she reached puberty, does not have to stand in the way of life well lived.
0: The Diabetic Real Podcast and the content of its websites are presented solely for educational purposes and the views and opinions expressed by guests the are theirs alone. They do not necessarily reflect that of the host of the podcast. The content is not intended to substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment, ongoing or otherwise. Be sure to always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your health care. Yeah. Seems we are on a roll covering pregnancies for these podcast episodes. Just a second, I got to readjust the pumpy here. Yeah, I named my insulin pump. We call her. I think most of the time the gender is her. Just, just for fun, and call her pumpy. Anyway, I'm gonna move her out of the way. She kind of wanted to be center stage, stage, and she'll have her turn. But, um, so we're covering pregnancies, and the last episode we covered my daughter's pregnancy, trying not to say names for the sake of of the kids because they didn't exactly ask to be named. But, and it wasn't that I wanted to go in opposite order, but, uh, she's my, my baby. She's my youngest. And now we're going to go to, uh, her brother, who's actually older than her, but that fit with the episode that was before that. um, And it made sense. But anyway, let's get to the story instead. So this one, this one was kind of interesting. It was obviously a high risk pregnancy, just like the one last week that we're talking about, last episode. Uh, Any type one diabetic is a high risk pregnancy because there are extra concerns, obviously, and more so years ago. You know, it used to be that, well, as we covered in the last episode, always had to be a C section, never an option for for a regular delivery. But this first pregnancy had more challenges for many different reasons. But let's we'll we'll go through them. First of all, the doctor. Now, the doctor, I'm, you know, I'm going to actually give him a name. It's not his real name, but I think it's a name that several of you can probably relate to. How many of you are fans of the show that was on, let's see, was it around 2009 or so? I'd have to go look it up. I'd go Google it right now, but Dr. House, if any of you know that show, he was a um, diagnostician. Uh played by Hugh Laurie. Anyway, he could be a pain in the royal butt as far as personality, but brilliant man, that was the character on the show because it seems like he always figured out, well, you know, I know, it's, as my husband say, honey, it's television. He always figured out what illness or what was wrong with the person, whether it was an illness or not, figured out what what was wrong with the person but personality-wise, he could rub people the wrong way. Well, I swear, this perinatologist that I had, you know, and perinatologist, he specializes in high-risk pregnancies. So they are, they are serious um, specialists. When I say serious, this particular Dr. House that I had, he had done in uterine surgeries on fetuses. Now, I'm just going to say baby. I mean, you get to that point where you are operating on a little person. You're not operating on a fetus that's going to be aborted. You're operating on a little child, on a little, little human with the intent of saving that life to be born. And that is some serious surgery. I mean, you've seen little babies after they've been born Little tiny fingers, little tiny toes, little tiny everything. Can you imagine how little tiny that is in uterine? We're talking microscopic. Well, this this doctor that I had, brilliant doctor, he's surgeon, and he operated on babies in uterine. So the man was brilliant, but personality? Oh, I could not be married to that man. Anyway, so I was not complaining as far as having him on my case. Well, okay, that could be taken in a couple different ways. On my case, yeah, I, I didn't want him on my case, but I mean, on my case as far as a patient. There was this one incident near the beginning of the pregnancy. And my doc, like I said, I'm going to call him Dr. House. So I'm not revealing his name for his privacy's sake. I don't know if he favored, you know, thinking that he was a psychologist or what, but he thought, well, with the number of years that you have had, diabetes, you resent having diabetes. So therefore, as kind of a, to get back at the diabetes, you're actually trying to force the insulin out of your body. Now, I'd already been through a lot of experiences. And and you'll hear some more stories as far as the experiences I'd been through. I'd been through diabetic ketoacidosis and almost died. And that is an awful, awful, awful experience. I think you've heard me tell you about that. It, it is just it is so painful. I mean, it, it I've said before, I don't wish that on anybody to die that way. And it's like, why would I ever ever want to push the insulin out of my body and not utilize the insulin? I mean, this you know the episode that you heard about cooking the the insulin. It's along those lines. I wouldn't want to cook the insulin because it makes the insulin not work. Well, same thing. I don't want to push the insulin out of my body. And if you're all sitting there going, huh, what is she talking about? Pushing the insulin out of her body. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I was when he's saying, you're pushing the insulin out of your body. I'm looking at him and saying, what on earth? Or, you know, WTF? Pushing the insulin out of my body, and he said, "Well, you—you're at that point. I wasn't on an insulin pump yet. Now, if—if if you heard the last last week's episode, you heard that I was given an insulin pump, um, Medtronic, on the second pre- pregnancy, and I've been on an insulin pump ever since. Yay, Medtronic. Yay, Mini Med is actually the pump. But anyway, the first pregnancy." I was still on insulin shots, just like I'd had when I was first diagnosed. So at that point, we were doing four shots a day. We were you know, trying to manage it as tightly as possible because for the sake of the baby, we needed this diabetes to be super, super tightly controlled. And he assumed that when I would give a shot and the insulin would go into my body, that I didn't want to have diabetes anymore so then, I would psychologically expel, like I would, I would will that insulin that I just pushed into the tissue, because you're putting it into the subcutaneous tissue in your body. It's not going I.M. It's not going intramuscular. It's going subcutaneous, just that that first layer, you know, the skin. That I'm willing it. I'm I'm literally thinking about it so hard that I'm willing that insulin to seep back out of my skin, out of my body. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing as you. I'm thinking he's a nutter and he needs to go see a shrink because I do not have superpowers, I promise you. I don't have superpowers. I don't have any ability to make insulin seep back out of my body. In fact, you know what? I was so curious about this this thing that he's saying that I'm doing that I, I actually tried it. I tried it. I put insulin in and then I sat there and I looked at the spot where I put the insulin in. I made sure that my, I was at a point where I could handle it so that if I succeeded, I was okay. And I thought, okay, I'm going to will this insulin back out. I couldn't do it. I sat there. I'm willing you to come back out. <laughs> you know, like I'm crazy. And I couldn't, I couldn't will it back out of myself. I couldn't do it. No way. I could not have done that to save my life. So, Maybe it's a nice thought and somehow psychosomatically people can do it. I don't know. I I don't want to argue with the man. He is brilliant. I don't want to argue with the thought that maybe somebody somewhere, but even if it is possible, it certainly is not something that I ever want to do or ever wanted to do. But arguing with him was not accomplishing anything during our visits. So his answer was, because he was bound and determined that I was doing that, he forbid me. To give my own shots. Yes, I was a little bit of me was hurt. Like you don't trust me to give shots to myself after I've been giving my shots to myself since I was eight years old. That that's ridiculous. I was a little bit angry. I was a little bit, you know, I was I felt humiliated. I felt you know, all those feelings. You can make a whole list of them and you're probably right as far as how I was feeling. But my focus was on the baby. I'm not trying to sound like a saint, but really that is the focus. Let's get this baby into the world as healthy as possible. So we had to, it was a strange schedule, but we had to somehow figure out how my mother could come over to my house. Yeah, talk about humiliating. I mean, here I'm living with my husband in my own house, but I have to have my mommy come over and give me a shot as an adult woman because I'm not allowed to give my own shot. Yeah, I should have been rebellious and just snuck it and given my my own shot. But I was a good girl who was following the doctor's orders. And my mommy, who happens to also be an RN, would come over and give the shot. My husband, who up to that point had never given shots before. I mean, why would he have to? He married a woman who, I mean, I'm very much so. I take care of myself. You know, I, I can do it myself. I've been saying that since I was a little girl. I can do it myself. So... I always took care of my own health on that one. Of course, my husband helped me and supported me. But he had to learn how to give shots. I mean, the nurse in the in the office, all the nurses were always sweet. All the OBGYN nurses and, and they were so supportive. I think they thought this was a little crazy, too. But they were very supportive. And they they taught my husband how to give shots. And So my husband would give the shot before he went to work. My mommy would come over and do, I think one during the day and then my husband would be home at the end of the day and he'd give the other shot and then the bedtime shot. Oh, I'm telling you people, I felt so humiliated. Anyway, so we got past that one. I wanted to fight with Dr. House, but it, again, doesn't do any good to fight with him about any of the issues, so I just tried to zip it, which wasn't wasn't necessarily easy, but I think it was a learning experience to see if we could learn how to zip our mouth. Oh, there was one other event, and speaking of events, my mother was having a family event, and it actually, my husband and myself, we were the honorees, if you will. It, and she had gone all out. I mean, she'd made all the food. And my mother could cook. My mum, if you will. I mean, she made little English tea cakes and just, oh. And my parents had this big, beautiful house. And it was a big deal. I mean, there were like 100 people coming over. And the whole thing and invitations had gone out. I mean, you would think it was a ball. It was the equivalent of having a ball. And basically... We were the honorees. We were the the guest of honor, and I was in the hospital at the time. You see, I would be in the hospital for two weeks, and then I would be out for three, and then I would be in for two, and then I would be out for three, and basically they were at the hospital. They would have these suites. They were called family suites. They're postpartum floor, and it was meant to be like where family. You know, you would. Have your baby, and then that's where the husband could come stay, and and that's where the the baby was introduced to the world, and so forth, and that's where you could have everyone all set up. There's a nice little table there. There's a little couch. There was a, you know, a double bed, and there's a whole nice thing. And and I would actually they'd set us up in the suite because I would be there for two weeks. It was actually a nice room, to be honest with you. So when I did stay there for two weeks, and all the nurses knew us they knew my husband I mean my husband would go to work he'd come It was kind of funny in in some levels but he would go to work and then when he was done he'd come over to the hospital and hang out there on the couch and we had a little laptop and it it's kind of pathetic and kind of funny all rolled in but you got to go with life the way it you know the way it goes anyway we'll come back to that suite oh it was pink it was really really cute anyway so we were all set up in the suite and the doctor says, no, no, you are not going to this event. And this event had been planned for like six weeks, eight weeks ahead of time. And I thought, can you can you please discharge me so I can go to this event? I mean, the event had been planned before I had gone to the hospital for that two-week period of time. Because like I said, in for two weeks, out for three. In for two, out for three. And it's not like that was planned, like, hey, it's your two week period of time it just so happened that's that's how it ended up i was in for two out for, for three and he's like nope no way and even the nurses were like come on dr house can't you can't you just let her go and my mother who you know, work for a different hospital but she's like you know i can't do anything to you if you go ama and AMA is against medical advice, so basically we didn't come out and say we were going to do that, but we kind of, yeah, you know, hinted. So the nurses knew what we were going to do, and I got all dressed up in my little in the suite. Got all dressed up in the dress, and and my husband helped me, and and the nurses came in and they they took out my IVs. Sort of, it's like, we're not doing this because we're not helping you go AMA, but we are doing this because we want to pull out the IVs properly. Kind of a strange situation. But then I got dressed up. I went to the event. I was the honored guest. And then we came back and the nurses just carefully put IVs, fresh IVs back in and tucked me into the, (laughs) the hospital bed. And oh, and of course my mom made up a nice tray of goodies for the nurses as thank you. And we brought food back and everything for the nurses and they loved it. But it was just this, it was never spoken about. I think we even brought food back for Dr. House, but it was just this, yep, we kind of snuck off and yet we didn't sneak off to the AMA to go to the event and then came back. It was as if we didn't leave the hospital, but we did leave the hospital. So anyway, I had to have blood drawn every, what was it, four times a day. And I'm a hard stick, as they, as they say about me. It's, it's hard to draw blood from me no matter what. And, and all the tricks, all the drink lots of liquid, everything, so we have to make sure they're switching from arm to arm. The doctor forbid them to do it from my feet, from anywhere except my arm. They couldn't do it from my hand, anything. So what my husband and I were doing is we would, it was a double bed in this suite we would switch sides so that whichever arm was nearest to the outside of the bed, that was the arm that was ready for the next blood draw. Well, these poor, these poor, um, these poor people that would—I cannot pronounce the word. I would try, but you're going to have to Google that one. It's—it's it's a hard word to pronounce. But the people, the people from the lab that would come up and to do the the draws. They came over and they grabbed my, my husband's arm to draw blood, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait! I'm not the one that's pregnant. See this belly? It, you know, it ain't it ain't full oh, baby. There's no baby in there. But I'm thinking, can you? Not, I do not have a hair. I mean, my husband, you know. He's, he's not like, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon or anything like that. But I mean, he's he's got a hairy arm and I do not have a hairy arm. And I'm thinking, what do these people think that this woman has a really super, super muscular and and hairy arm, but it's like, come on guys. My arm is like half the size of my husband's. It's dainty and it's not hairy. <laughs> it's I'm over here, people. I'm on the other side of the bed, but these poor people, we kept we kept them hopping, literally. Fortunately, my husband caught them before they took the wrong blood and realized that they had a non-diabetic male that was pregnant. I had been concerned because of having seizures from low blood sugars, that it is possible that I would go into a seizure from a low blood sugar in the pregnancy. And that was always my concern. It turns out after both the pregnancies, because that, consider- that was a concern that I had with both of them, I found out that for some reason, a di- now I don't know if this is for sure, I don't know if they wanna go test the theory, but I guess a diabetic body will not have a seizure while it's pregnant. That's what the doctors say. I'm not 100% sure that that's true for all humans. But again, I don't think you wanna go out there and actually test it. What I found out was it will simply die. It won't go into a seizure, it'll just die. That's probably true because I had an episode when I was at the hospital, we were staying in that little suite, and my blood sugar had gotten so low that I wasn't actually feeling the low blood sugar. I'd gotten past the symptoms of low blood sugar into giddy. You would have thought that I was drunk off my butt. I was just super, super giddy and giggly and goofy and just, I wasn't making any sense. And my husband was there at the time. And thank God my husband was there at the time because I think I was getting ready to go take a bath. And he was with me And had I been alone and the nurses had, usually the nurses go with you and and they would have gone with me, but had they not caught it, I would have probably crumpled up in a corner, gone to sleep, and I wouldn't be here today. And I was feeling off. And so he mentioned something to the nurses and I tried to do a blood sugar and the, the meter would not read. So he grabbed the nurses and it just so happened that one of the, the people is coming up for a lab draw anyway, so they took blood. But when, of course, when the meter wouldn't read the, the blood sugar and it said it was too low, they're like, no, 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 you're, you're drinking sugar right now. And so they grabbed juice. And my husband had, he, we always, even though the hospital would treat the low blood sugar, we always kept sugar soda on the, um, right near the window there. Well, my husband had it, so it was nice and cool even for him to drink as well. We we like I said we were set up like styling there since we were there for so many weeks, so we grabbed sugar soda and I downed it right away. Well, the lab took the you know took the blood down to the lab, and they processed it. They called up to the postpartum because I was staying. It's I'm staying in postpartum even though I haven't delivered yet because it's not normal that that women stay before they have the baby like that. So it's the postpartum floor, but they called up there and they're like is she alive it's like it's what he said we just checked the blood sugar this blood sugar is 16 this woman is dead oh no 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 she's not dead she lived through that she lived through the blood sugar said oh yeah we caught it we gave her juice and they're like oh they were scared when they saw how low the blood sugar was in the lab. And there aren't meters that will read that low. But the hospitals, of course, have the machinery that will, will read that low, and they caught that the blood sugar was 16. So I think maybe the doctors are correct when they say that a diabetic body will not actually go into a seizure. It just simply has a blood sugar that will go so low that, you just expire. Any of you pregnant ladies out there, make sure you keep your blood sugar up when you're pregnant. You do not want to die. So we get to a point where I'm delivering. Yes, we finally get through this pregnancy. We finally get to a point where we're delivering. And I know a lot of people say, well, you have no idea how much I went through to deliver you and at that, I am going to save the rest of this story for the next episode of Diabetic Real. And this is Deborah signing off on Diabetic Real.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Diabetic Real. For more information about this podcast, as well as links and fun stuff related to Diabetic Real, visit us at our website at diabeticreal.com. Now we'll listen as Deborah E. herself sings one of her favorite songs. The song is called Perfectly Wonderful World, written by Denny Martin and Jamie Paul, engineered by me, (laughs) of course, your host, Michael, in our Seaside Records studio here in lovely Los Angeles, California. It was on the number one Reverb Nation charts for over a year and, and still charts very well. So, have a pleasant moment and listen to wonderful Perfectly Wonderful World. Yes, I'm
0: living inside of this perfectly wonderful world.